Hello, and welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Curtinrock. Today, we are celebrating the fifth Sunday after Pentecost. The reading for our sermon is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fifth chapter. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him he fell at his feet, and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be made well and live. And the crowd went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately returned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said, You see the crowd pressing about you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, because what happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was twelve years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord and his disciples had just spent some time in the Gentile country, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now they were returning to the Jewish side, the side where our Lord had already spent time teaching, performing miracles and healings. As soon as he got there, there was a great crowd gathered about him. In this great crowd was one of the rulers of the synagogues, a well-respected man, probably contributing to the building of the synagogue or to its repairs. His name was Jairus. He was desperate. His little daughter, here using a term of affection, was very sick, near the end of her life. And he was seeking out Jesus, saying, Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. See the faith of Jairus. This man was a leader of a synagogue. He may have been present when Jesus taught at the local one. He may have heard about Jesus and what he had done. But either way, Jairus has great faith in Christ to save his little girl. He heard about Jesus, and he believed. He believed that this man Jesus could save his daughter by laying his hands on her. 
And Jesus responds tenderly to this desperate father and his faith. He doesn't tell him that there are lots here that need his help. No, he goes with him. As they go, the great crowd follows along. They came to see Jesus, and they would see him. The crowd followed him and thronged about him. The picture that St. Mark is painting for us is one that's maybe difficult to picture when we've been living with social distancing for over a year. But it would not be unlike the crowds that can form on a busy day at Agribition, people shoulder to shoulder, close by as they walk towards a similar goal. In this crowd is where we're introduced to someone else, barely after having met Jairus. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Due to this medical condition, this woman would have been ritually unclean, unable to practice in the liturgical life of Israel, neither being able to bring sacrifices nor participate in the feasts, such as Passover. Anything that she touched or sat on would become unclean as well until it was purified, and thus she was essentially an outcast of Israel. She could not visit other women. She would have been difficult to visit her children if she had any. To add to this, she probably after having had some wealth, spent it all on various doctors trying to find a cure, only for it all to get worse. She too, like Jairus, was desperate. And like Jairus, she too had great faith. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and she believed. After all, faith comes by hearing. She trusted in Jesus, that if she could only touch the hem of his robes, she would be healed. And so she went, through the great crowd with one goal in mind, to reach Jesus, to reach the object of her faith. And she does. She makes her way close enough to him and she touches his garment and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Our Lord then stops walking. He knew what had just happened. He knew who had touched his garment with faith in him. And he also knew that we're liable in our fallen state to superstition. And so to prevent her from thinking that his clothes had any sort of magical property, and so that he might comfort her, he says, Who touched me? The disciples are indignant, knowing that they have little time to make it to Jairus' house. But the Lord knows what he is doing. He waits for the woman to come forward. She comes forward, in fear and much trembling, and tells the whole truth to Jesus. But he already knows. The Lord did not call on her to chastise her, but to comfort her, and to confirm her in her faith, to deal personally with her as a lost sheep of the house of Israel, to be tenderly brought back into the fold, to reassure her that she, a woman ritually unclean for twelve years, was now clean and fully within the kingdom of God, which he was preaching. Daughter, he says to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. This requires a little parsing for us. For he does not merely tell her, your faith has made you well, but in reality it says, your faith has saved you. Her faith in Jesus did not just make her well, it saved her. It brought her from those who are in the power of sin and death into the group of those who are in the kingdom of God. Those who by faith in Jesus are given the gift of eternal life. As an extra benefit, she is healed of her disease. She is made well, and thus she points us to the reality of the new creation. And how when our Lord returns to raise all from their tombs to judge the living and the dead, there will be no more corruption, no more disease, and our salvation will be manifest in our bodies by their soundness and health. When he says, be healed of your disease, the effect in English is more, remain healed of your disease. She had already been healed. 
And so he bids her to go in peace, with a blessing of peace and a promise of lasting healing. But all this takes time, and in that time Jairus' daughter dies. Servants from the house tell Jairus to just let Jesus be, but Jesus, overhearing them, doesn't listen. Instead, he continues towards the house, and he encourages Jairus to believe, to have faith. Upon entering it, with his, children, with his chosen three disciples, Peter, James, and John, the mourners mock him for saying, she's only sleeping. For those who do not believe, mock the healing and saving work of Christ in all its forms. As before, in the face of this mocking, Jesus' word remains, only believe, have faith. And again, stressing the personal nature of what he has come to do, he takes with him only the three chosen and the girl's parents. And rather than laying hands on her as Jairus asked, the Lord takes a more personal approach to such a task. He takes her by the hand and says to her, Talitha, kumi, speaking in Aramaic, the language of the home, he speaks to her with a term of endearment, little girl, I say to you, arise, or I say to you, be resurrected. For that same verb, kum, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, is used in the prophets to speak of the resurrection of the dead. Immediately, the girl got up and began walking, for she was already twelve years of age. And the parents and disciples were awestruck at what they witnessed. Jesus demonstrated his power over death. Jesus, once again in such a short time, gives a foretaste of the kingdom of God in its full glory by raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, giving a foretaste of the kingdom of God in its full glory, which we will only experience on the last day. And we, brothers and sisters, are very much like Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood that we heard about today. We are in need of help, of aid, in any number of ways, and from all sorts of things. We are all unclean, not ritually, but we are unclean from within, because of sin which inhabits and clings to our nature as fallen creatures. This uncleanness flows out from us in sinful thoughts, words, and deeds. And more than that, it corrupts all that we do, so that all that we put our hands to is likewise unclean, because it is stained by our sinful nature. And when we're honest with ourselves about our sin, our uncleanness, then we can see also the effect that it has on the world, and how that affects us as well. There are temptations to fit in with the crowds and the culture, and to do so by sinning. There's temptations to ignore the sins of loved ones so as not to offend them or damage relationships with them. There's temptations to distance ourselves from Christ and his church because of what hypocrites and false teachers have done and continue to do in his name. And doing these sorts of things is ultimately seeking help from sources other than our Lord Jesus. To sin to fit in, either keeping oneself away from the Lord's house where he's present for you, or in other ways, seeks help from popularity, influence, or social standing. To ignore the sins or unbelief of loved ones and to look the other way is to seek help from a false serenity. To distance oneself from Christ in the face of the world's raging is to seek help from that raging world. Yet Christ calls us to faith, calls us to seek him, only him, for only he can deliver us. He alone has the power over sin, over death, over the world. He alone can save us from all our perils. He alone can make us clean, for he alone was clean without sin. And in order to save us, body and soul, 
He took upon himself our sin and gave his life as an offering for it. By his resurrection, he demonstrated the Father's acceptance of his offering. He demonstrated that the kingdom of God has begun on earth and that it will one day be over all the world when he raises all from their graves. Like Jairus and the woman, our Lord Jesus calls on us to no longer seek out worthless helpers, but to repent of that and instead trust in him for our help, for our salvation. And just as he worked personally and tenderly with them, so with us, having called us by name in holy baptism, filling us with the Holy Spirit and bringing us from death to life by uniting us in his death. In baptism, when you were baptized into the name of the Holy Trinity, there Jesus, through the water and the word, cleansed you and said to you, Son, daughter, I say to you, arise, be resurrected to new life. Through the same word, he speaks to you the words of eternal life, through your devotional reading, through the lessons, through the sermon. Through these, he works and strengthens faith in us, so that when we are surrounded by the effects of sin, the mocking of the world, the pressures of temptation, we may not fear, but only believe. In the Holy Supper, he supplies his true, sinless, and clean body and blood, which he gave on the cross for our sins. With our mouths we receive his glorified body and blood. With our faith we receive the benefits which he won for us on the cross, forgiveness, life, and salvation. In this we are united with him in sweet communion, and are given a foretaste of eternal life, where we too will perfectly be clean, sinless, free of corruption and disease, and live forever in service to him in our glorified bodies. Applying these medicines of immortality to us, Jesus, our great physician, points us to the fact that we, like the woman and Jairus' daughter, live in the kingdom of God and experience it now, but not yet fully. For now our sins are forgiven us for Christ's sake, even though original sin still clings to us. Our good works now are counted as holy and pleasing to God because of our faith in Christ, even though our works are still stained by sin. We're justified accounted righteous for Christ's sake by grace through faith. Yet we still must daily be sanctified, renewed, and forgiven. We have died with Christ. We have been raised with him. Yet we're still subjected to age and ultimately death, unless Christ comes before that day. We live in the new age to come, even while still in this present evil age. But brothers and sisters, do not fear, only believe. The Lord who saved the woman and raised from the dead the daughter of Jairus has died and rose again for you too, and he will raise you on the last day when he comes again to judge the living and the dead. Then we will live in the kingdom of God in its fullness. Then we will see him face to face who has called us by name and who helps us in every trouble. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this sermon. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.